today that we have this time together. We're going to talk about an aspect of the Enneagram and relationships that is very fascinating to many people. And that is, how do we figure the Enneagram in applying it to our friendships? Many people ask about this and very frequently ask about couples in specific. Well, first of all, I would like to say that issue of matching people with the Enneagram is a very curious prospect. The fact being that the Enneagram is a moving clock. We are always spiraling upward into consciousness and our wings are doing the same, and we are becoming more and more conscious or less and less conscious. This is operating on the level also of our subtypes. Self-preservative, social, and one-to-one or sexual. These aspects of ourselves are so multidimensional that it is very difficult to say we are just set personalities and set personalities are to be matched on face value. The actual matching between people who are friends and between couples is done on an unconscious level. And that level means that all of the preferences that we really have regarding someone who would fit the bill in terms of consciousness, level of consciousness, adaptation, definitions, applications. All of that is done on all the levels that we have previously discussed. So when two people come together, they have their Enneagram clocks and the gears, if they put them together, turn in perfect synchronization. Therefore, you have a very workable friendship or only certain gears are able to turn together in an interlocking way. This is the quality and the kinds of friendships and relationships. For example... If people were on the same level of consciousness for their types, but had very little commonality between 
their subtypes, they would necessarily have less in common than people whose subtypes and level of consciousness were perfectly matched. This is usually able to be discerned simply through communication and actual face-to-face presence. But the Enneagram is not something that creates our lives. It reflects the truth of life. And if we want to use the Enneagram to understand our own needs for friendships, for business associates, for our beloveds, then what we must do, first of all, is understand who we are on the level of personality and then on the level of essence. We also must know who we are in terms of the level of consciousness that we operate on, whether it is average, whether it is healthy, whether it is not healthy. And it's very difficult to judge ourselves, but once we've got the information in front of us, we can easily see where we fall on those basic three levels of consciousness. And we must not try to debase ourselves or flatter ourselves, but look at ourselves accurately. In my book, Becoming Conscious, I have listed the three levels of consciousness for each of the personality types. Now you might say, well, we have two people on the same level of consciousness. And why aren't they getting along? Or why aren't they friends? Well, the answer to that question is that many other factors go in to relationships than just levels of consciousness. Interests, needs, the ability and the want to see the world, have a family, or not to see the world and not to have a family. These must be discerned as to whether or not these needs are egoic or do they come from essence. For two people on the same level of consciousness, they would have the same match between whether 
their needs and wants come from ego, whether it is a mixture of ego and essence, or essence purely. Robert and Linda have been together several years. They love to raise honeybees and sell their honey. This is an example of two people who are interested in the same thing. They are also on the same level of consciousness regarding what to do with the honey. They sell a portion of it. They give a portion of it to certain soup kitchens in the area, and they donate some of it to certain benefits in which it can be sold and or auctioned. They see eye to eye on this very distinct area of consciousness. And that's why their relationship really thrives. But if one of them was on another level, two things could occur. One would be the one in the less developed state of consciousness realizes that they are less developed and they have chosen their mate to teach them the level of consciousness that they are on. The other is that they could be together in business or in spousal relationship and one would be of a lesser developed consciousness and resented what their friend, mate, or business partner did with the honey. And that type of relationship would not last. But the other relationship in which the lesser developed in consciousness was together with someone who is more developed, and they want to become more developed in the way their partner is, that makes an extremely beautiful dynamic. So we can't always say that it's only those on the same level of consciousness who can get along, have marital contracts, do business together, are friends, it's what the actual dynamic is regarding those states of consciousness between the two people. Awareness is the key here because if we're not aware and someone who likes to raise honey and was very, very happy about it, suddenly wants to leave the business or the partnership because they don't like the way the proceeds or the honey is distributed 
and they don't understand it, why some of it's going to the soup kitchens free of charge, that's a potential breakup for a relationship. And that can happen in business as well. That's why to employ the Enneagram, the whole area of consciousness can be a discussion within us and between us because we become aware whether or not our partnerships are equal or not equal and if they can still work even if they're not exactly coherent with each other on being in the same levels. There is also the matter of the wings. And many people ask, well, what do my wings do if I am progressing to my soul child against my arrow? Where do my wings go? And that's a very good question and one that poses a lot of of thought for us. The wings are actually two alter egos of our own. And it is they who we can live out of in order to get our passion and sometimes our virtues lived out. And so when we have two alter egos, we have two other ways of expressing the divine or our unintegrated parts, two parts, and this makes for another very complicated understanding, but life in itself is complicated. So, for example, I have an an ego, which is six, but my ego returns to sacred love at point nine, where my soul child resides and where my essence thrives. But I also have egoic wings at point five and point seven. These wings are very essential to my ego because there are times I cannot accomplish what I wish in fulfilling my ego narrative unless I go to the wonderful, joyous seven or the studious and reflective five. But the wonderful seven who is joyous 
that part of my personality can deteriorate if I give in to the gluttony, which is also at that point on the level of ego. And for the five, the five wing of mind can deteriorate if it gives in to its passion of avarice or ego stinginess. By the same token, if those two wings are operating in health, the virtue will be much more in motion than any of the passion. And for the seven, my virtue there would be sobriety. And for the five, the virtue would be detachment, which is detachment to all that which I hoard, knowledge or things or whatever. So I can be moving toward my soul child at nine and on the way to integration, but I can be tugged on by either of my wings who may want to deteriorate, devolve, I may say, into the passions of that type. But because this thing is not equal, the six and the two wings are not equal with each other. The major dynamic of my going to my number of integration and my going to where my soul child and essence are, that is a tremendous magnetic pull for both of my wings to begin their integrative process. The major ego type, which for me would be six, sets the tone for the wings. And it is an unusually fixated wing that would prevent the overall movement of the type and the two wings to proceed in the direction of integration. So we have all this operating as well in relationships. And the beauty of knowing about the Enneagram is that we have words to describe why so many things are going well and but this one area might not be going well. That could be one of our two alter egos, one of our wings. And we kind of can identify these areas and understand what is happening in them. And we can really put a category on some of these areas that heretofore have been amorphous and that we didn't know what category to put 
these feelings in. But thanks to the Enneagram, now we know. So as we look at the Enneagram in terms of consciousness and relationships and friendships, it's fun and very enlightening to take, for example, your best friend and in your own musings, answer the following questions to ourselves. What is my level of consciousness? What is my best friend's level of consciousness to my knowledge? What are my subtypes wing and wings? And are each of them progressing in tandem or are there difficulties in any one or two of the three or all three and that there is a paralysis in one, two or three of them? Whereas in other parts there may be great strides being made on all three, one or two. And then look at your friend and discern for yourself from them or from your own uh, musings what energy they may be operating from on the Enneagram. And if you want to, if they don't share the Enneagram with you, you can still have them take one of the tests and try to relate to the material and then tell you what they scored as. And then find out for yourself how their type relates to yours in terms of movement, paralysis, or disintegration on the level of ego type as well as the two wings. Then determine what your subtype is and find out whether it's healthy or non-healthy or somewhere in the middle. My book, Becoming Conscious, has a chapter on the subtypes, as does Sandra Maitre's Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. In her book, she describes beautifully all of these subtypes and how they are rooted in our needs of self-preservation, social interaction, and our one-to-one relationships. In my book, I discuss how that each one of us can be in an healthy or unhealthy phase of our subtype. So look at yours and look at your friends. You may not know what their subtype is. You may ask them. 
or you may guess. But see where you lie on all of that. There are many more parts of the Enneagram, such as the essential aspect and the idealized essential aspect, the qualities of soul that are in our soul child. And these two can be matched to our friends to see where we click and where we don't click. But when you put this list of characteristics down on these things I've spoken to you about today regarding you and your friend, you can see very plainly where your two clocks tick together because the gears are interlocking beautifully and where they don't. And you can also ask yourself when they don't, is this an impediment to the relationship or is this a healthy dynamic of my teaching my friend and my friend teaching me? So this is the end of the teaching for today. I ask you to please write in to the realenneagram.com and let me know your thoughts and your feelings and whatever you would like for us to discuss in more depth regarding the Enneagram and relationships. Thank you very much for being with us today. Mm-hmm.